1: Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. The For the Love of Pomegranate podcast, I'm not even sure if the intro actually played there a moment ago because I didn't hear any music, but less of that. It's always gremlins in this show, and it's fine. That's why you love us, and that's why you come back to watch us again. But uh, as you can see, Paddy's found the fountain of youth here beside us, <laughs> and uh, Paddy has edged uh, backwards. He's Benjamin Button. He's gone back about 40 years, and uh, this is what Paddy looks like. Is I'm only joking. This is I'm joined tonight by the wonderful Matt Hayes. Um, uh, supremo of the the Tottenham Hotspur YouTube world, and uh, he's going to come and he's going to talk to us and something that's more, a small bit different talk to us about, uh, I suppose the state of play with Spurs at the moment because, uh, it seems to be it's like depending on who you talk to on any given day or any given time, you know, so everybody's going to have a different opinion about what's going wrong at Spurs. I myself. I'm going to be really honest. You guys are still in a pretty decent spot, you know, regards to everything that's going on. Right, seven, seven uh, games into the into the Premier League, but it's not all happy around the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, is it, Matt?
0: Yeah. Look, I think if we're going to be talking about the state of play. I think "state" is the is the is a key word to put in that because the last couple of weeks has been uh, absolutely atrocious, and I, I I feel to to some extent, perhaps things were this bad uh, in the second and third week of the season as well. But a, a one 0 victory over. Wolves and Watford kind of glossed over the, the problems that are going on there but look there's there, there's people struggle to agree on what the problem is because there are just so many of them and it, it begins right up at the top with, with Daniel Lee and he goes right down to, to all of those players on that pitch but yeah, I'm not happy. It's basically not happy. What, I'm, what I'm getting at.
1: Well, without exasperating you at the start, we'll we leave that to the end once we get the juicy stuff about Beautiful. the game out of the way first. I don't mind if you just slam your laptop closed and, and leave abruptly. <laughs> I'm okay with that afterwards. But uh, obviously, we play, uh, we'll get on to maybe more more generic Spurs talk afterwards. But obviously, Villa are um, coming to London uh, this weekend and are coming to, to, to play you wonderful guys. And uh, as I mentioned, the great Paddy is over at that game um, this weekend and he is he's actually over in London at the moment. So that's not that's why he isn't here. But um, so you guys are obviously, as you say, it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy party. Three wins to start mm-hmm. the season and then it hasn't been so great since then. But in the week, you seem to get it get things back on on track again and and uh, it was look i know that they were a pretty lowly team and um, i don't even know where they were from uh slovenia slovakia uh, was it was a slovenia, slovenia. It was, was it slovenia wasn't. and uh you know it was a pretty pretty uh decent win was but well, specifically in the second half and harry kane seemed to f- find his shooting boots again D- does that give you does that does that kind of raise your spirits ahead of ahead of the game at the weekend or mm-hmm. is it just masking over cracks that you're probably seen previously
0: yeah, look, I'd say it's probably the latter. And I kind of emphasised that point quite a bit on, on Twitter last night to the to the dismay of many Spurs fans. And I lost a few followers over it as well. But look, I, I think we're playing NS Moore. There, I think it was 337th in the European coefficient standings. And for context, Tottenham were 14th. And it's, it's great to go out and win. And it's great for, for Harry Kane to go out and bag a hat trick. But at the end of the day, we played what I wouldn't even call a second string team. We had kind of a mixture between our first team, uh, looking at players like Giovanni Lo Celso, uh, who I'm pretty sure started the North London Derby. You had Christian Romero, who just signed for £50 million, Sergio Reguilon starting left-back as well. Yet that team still couldn't be convincing enough to to get into that last half an hour and not need to bring on Harry Kane, Son, Lucas Moura and Pierre-Emil Hoibier. And what I'm kind of looking at now is those players are essentially our plan B. You know, going into this game against Villa on Sunday, if it is, you know, a tight affair, which I I really do expect it to be, if we're one all 65, 70 minutes, the players that we have to bring off the bench are players that couldn't beat, with with all due respect, two more. They've done incredibly well nine years after being founded to get to this point. But if the players can't beat them, I don't expect them to be able to to do anything against Aston Villa. And and that for me is where the concern came from. I I, I made the point when we made those uh, subs, bringing on the big guns, that... We shouldn't have to do that. And in hindsight, great, it worked. Harry Kane scored a hat trick. But for me, the problem lies within the necessity to make those subs in the first place, and it's just adding uh, problem to problem that, that I'm seeing with this first team at the moment.
1: And of, of the team that finished yesterday, you know, there was there was there was quite a lot of I suppose fanfare at the fact that Deli Ali was going to be moved back into his number ten position yesterday, and he didn't finish like he didn't didn't finish in that position uh, in the game. And and, and to be honest, with you, he he didn't really light anything up. Um, it was only when Les Elso went into that number ten position that, that things started to get moving, and you know the creativity started to flow for Spurs because I I, I did uh, watch a good bit of it yesterday. But um, what what's the thoughts on how that team finished, and 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 the likelihood of that team maybe starting against Villa at the weekend?
0: Um, I think there's going to be a lot of similarities in there. I mean, Brian, Brian Hill is a player who's who's really struggled to get uh, some some Premier League game time. I don't think he has his first start yet. He was one of our most exciting, was kind of the players. That was on the front foot, and when he, when he gets the ball, you're on the edge of your seat, and it's, it's yeah, as simple as that with him. And he really is. He's, so, and he's still only 20 years of age. He was whipped off with 30 minutes to go. I think he um, is one of the has to be one of the first names on that team sheet. Uh, but in, in comparison, like you're saying, that team that finished the game, there's Kane has to start. Son, uh, Lucas, Hoybier. Um, Oliver Skip I think came off but he needs to be in that starting team as well so it is going to be a, a relatively similar team I mean Sergio Regalón as well uh, I expect there to be a few changes at the back which I'm not sure I'm too happy with because it was uh, Christian Romero and Joe Roden that played in the centre-back spot last night and again while still taking into account the, the quality of the opposition there was still an element of uh, they were more assured than what we've seen in the last couple of games, and they seem to play well together as well. And if I'm not mistaken, it is their first time together. Uh, but I expected to that be changed back to Dyer and Sanchez. But it is a concern that on a Thursday night, uh, being brought right down to the last 10, uh, 15 minutes by Mora, that a lot of those players are going to have to be starting um, at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. And again, it's just problems everywhere. Neil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned there, so, so you don't, you don't think Christian Christian Romero is going to start at the weekend? Do you think it's going to no. be like Davison, Sanchez, and Dyer?
0: Really? I, I do. I do think they started uh, the game against Arsenal on on Sunday. Uh, I think Christian Romero started with Dyer against Chelsea, and was was decent in that first half. But as soon as Chelsea kind of started getting on the front foot uh, and really starting to cause problems for us at the back, I think Romero was one of the players that looked a bit um, a bit weaker, even in the cup game against Wolves last week for their. Um, their second goal, and Dambala gave the ball away in the middle of the park, but it was a, a really slack pass that somehow managed to make a pass for Romero. And look, there's always going to be that that, that time of him, you know, needing to settle in into you know, first of all, the squad, the, the style of play, and as well, just the, the a new country and everything that comes with that on, on a personal level that could could affect him on the pitch to some extent as well. But I, I feel as though Nuno is struggling at the moment to to make the right big decisions, and I think including Christian Romero is one that he needs to make. But I I think he's just looking back at those first three games of Dyer and Sanchez keeping clean sheets uh, and trying to kind of force that out of them again. But uh, any Spurs fan will be able to tell you that when Dyer and Sanchez have a good three or four games, typically what comes next is a really, really bad three or four games before they then balance out. And I I just think Nuno is still struggling to to kind of figure out that best squad. And Romero, I think, is one player who's just on the wrong side of that at the moment.
1: And we'll get on to Nuno in a moment because I I, I, I don't know, and, and I don't watch maybe enough of Spurs to to probably maybe appreciate somebody like Eric Dyer, but uh, like, <clears throat> and, and I'm not having a go at you here, Matt or anything, <laughs> but like if Eric Dyer is up against Eddie Watkins uh, and, and Danny Ings at the weekend, I, I would be thinking that Eric Dyer would want to get go to bed now and sleep because he's going mm-hmm. to be running all day long, and I don't know whether that suits him. And I could be completely wrong, but uh, for me, that w- like uh, I would be flummoxed as to why Christian uh, Christian Romero wouldn't be in there, considering he's used to nippy forwards, pacey forwards, you know, South American forwards. If I want to be almost stereotypical and tropism with it, um, and 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 for me, him and Sanchez, I think would be a lot more formidable back line and um, realistically i think you should be playing the back three like villa do but then again i don't mm. pick the team so it's uh, <laughs> but it's like with all the with all the center halves that you do have there you know rodden is a, is, a, is a very very uh capable center half as well but it's um, and plus obviously with your two with your two fullbacks in emerson ryan and reggian they they can go up and down the field at will you know they're once again they're attacking fullbacks as well so why not utilize them as wingbacks but but for me i think there's um The the, with with Ings and Watkins, should they be the top two? And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be for Aston Villa. That, uh, for me, I think Eric Dyer mightn't be the man for them. Now, go out and watch him have an absolute stormer and block (laughs) pebbles and have it have a Richard Dunn versus Russia in 2009 or whatever it was type game. But, uh, is is he am am I being overly harsh on him or is he Mr. Steady Eddie independent? Because every team has that guy that. Other fans mm. think you're shite. and <laughs> Next thing, their fans go, "No, he's actually not. He's pretty decent." Mm.
0: Yeah, look, at, at times that is dire and at times it isn't. And for, for some reason, there seems to be this kind of feeling, whether it's within the dressing room or just the managers that we've that we've had in, is that Dyer seems to be some sort of a leader. Or just it kind of feels for these managers as though he needs to be on the pitch. Like he was one of Jose Mourinho's favorite players, and I know in the past Mourinho did try and take. Eric Dyer to uh, to Manchester United as well. But even for Pochettino, towards the end when things weren't going really well, a lot of the time we saw Dyer selected in that centre-back role. And it, Look, he must be doing something on the training ground that he isn't doing as consistently on the pitch. Now, don't get me wrong, he has had some incredible performances for Spurs, and he's even nominated for Player of the Month in August. He had a good start to the season. But it's that inconsistency and like, you, you go back to, to a few games last season. We had a run, uh, kind of, I think it was end of November, start of December, where we beat Manchester City, uh, we beat Arsenal, and we joined the way away to Chelsea, which are three incredible results for us. And then you skip on a month, and we're going to Craven Cottage. We drew one all because Eric Dyer lost the header to Ivan Cavalero. And again, is a great player, but he's half the size of Eric Dyer. And it's just that lack of uh, consistency in the way you just can't trust him that you never know when he's going to come out with. And like you said, he could have a stormer, but he could also be the man that's uh, cut out numerous times by Watkins and Ings Pressing um and you know in possession he could be a bit unsure and things could could really go away from there but he just seems to be that first name of the team sheet at the back so consistently
1: mm-hmm. And look, as I say, a lot of fans are probably going to look at the Aston Villa team sheet at the weekend and go, oh, two and Xavier isn't in there and Courtney House is in there. What the hell is Courtney House doing in there? Like when you've got two and Xavier on the bench. And that's probably what I'm like. I've fallen probably victim to that exact same um, knee jerkism, I think, I suppose, really to looking at Mm -hmm. team sheets, because after what we've seen from Courtney House against Manchester United and against for, for 15, 20 minutes against Lukaku in the in the League Cup. Courtney House is an absolute beast, and 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 he's just been he's been impervious at the back for us. So I, I fully expect him to start in the centre of our defence, obviously with Kanza and Mings either side of him. But just like that, you know, a lot of eyebrows will be raised because of maybe a more fit, fa- a more how am I going to say it? I, I want to say a kind of a favourable name in Axel and Zabi, but like. I I really, I wouldn't mind either the two of them starting in there. I just think when you have the jersey, it's yours, and you need to you, you know it's yours until until it isn't. And mm-hmm. uh, while it was unfortunate that and Zebi couldn't play last week because he was he was playing as his parent team, house went out and corraled the best striker probably well the, the best goal scorer i suppose what we call him and um, that's ever played the game so uh it is it, it's it, it's something i suppose when we look at both both teams there probably will be questions asked why is this defender in there why isn't there this defender in there and the next thing i want to get on to matt is that you know <sighs> Dean Smith has recently changed up his tactics, changed up changed up pretty radically to a 3-5-2, something that he hadn't really played previously. We we played it sparingly in the first season that we were up in the Premier League, but he's gone back to it and he's played it and since then we've looked at a completely different outfits. But I know that amongst Spurs fans there's been a lot of wrangling and a lot of a lot of discussion as to why Nuno wanted to come in and play a 4-3-3 system. Uh, when four two three one has worked so well for Spurs since they've pretty much been competitive within the league, you know, over the last last decade, what's the feelings in that? Do You think it's as simple as that, as that there's a, there's a level of stubbornness with regards to the setup, as opposed to uh, as opposed to maybe Nuno having a proper plan.
0: Um, I, I think it'd be a bit harsh to, to to call it stubbornness because I feel if he spotted this uh, this kind of problem within the team and he could you know, pinpoint the problem mm. as the formation, mm. well, then I, I feel like he would he would change that. And I, I think it would be I'm a bit harsh to say, well, he doesn't want to change it just to prove himself right or, or whatever. Mm. But I, I having said that, I don't know why he hasn't changed it. Because it, it is like looking at, uh, at what we're doing in there. Uh, that game against Arsenal, for example, where we're playing that four three three, which at times you know it works. It it has worked. That first first half against Chelsea the week before, we were we were really really good, and we we looked as though we should have been leading that game at the break. But then we're going into this game against Arsenal, and you play uh, Pierre Hoybier, Tongi, and Dambale and Alley. Now, two three years ago, uh, two three years ago, Alley, Maybe two years ago in Dambale, and last year Hoybier. That's an incredible midfield, the one that should win most Premier League games. But those players right now just aren't that good. They're 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 not good enough in order to make that work. And I feel like what he needs to do is either if he wants to play that four 3 three, play Hybier and Skip, because the two of them together this season I think have been having really, really good for us. But otherwise, if you're gonna continue with the the one defensive player and two attacking players, I don't see the point in kind of having the two attacking players kind of half half going forward and half not going forward. If you're if you want to do that, put one right in that number ten role. And like you said against Mora when it was Giovanni Liselso. Uh, that, that really did work out uh, for him and he was creating opportunities, got the score sheet in that first half as well. But I, I'm struggling to to kind of see what Nuno is trying to do with it, with the, the team selections and then that uh, that formation as well. If, if we don't see a change soon, I think the the questions in that Tottenham fan base will start to get a, a little bit louder week by week. But I mean, I, I suppose I have to sit here and say, I, I trust the manager to some extent that that he does know what he's doing and that he does have this plan because I, I think when Fabio Partici came in, the, the first manager he wanted was Paolo Fonseca. Things didn't really work out there with the, the side this of football is, and this stuff is going like to be
1: that. My, ne- my next question, because <laughs> give give us yeah. a rundown on that, Look, call it what it was, that manager search saga that happened. as Levy comes out and says, I want someone who's going to play vibrant attacking front foot football. And you guys haven't really seeing it at the moment, even though you have who I thought in the face of it was a ready-made manager for Spurs.
0: Yeah, um, look, I'm, I'm glad that hunt is over. <laughs> I'll just say that much. Uh, with, with, with Fonseca, it's that, that was the weirdest one of the all because we had the, the couple of weeks around uh Marcio Pochettino and Antonio Conte, and you know, I think Poch got really close, uh, in the press at least, and that kind of fell apart. Then we we're going for Conte, then that fell apart. We we're kind of back on the Poch train, um, and then there was a few whispers, some people, and all of a sudden it was Fonseca to Spurs, uh, deal done. He's he went on holiday, I think, to Ukraine with his wife just for a week before it happened. Um, and then he I think was going to London to meet with Paratici to sign the contract and then all of a sudden there's these fiscal problems with the with the contract and all this and look, the amount of lawyers that would have looked through every single page of that contract I think if those problems weren't uh, unearthed until the last couple of minutes I feel there, there's a, bit of, a yeah. bit of an untruth being spun our way there um, but Fonseca then himself uh, decided to go to the media last week and he was saying that essentially he was outlining the plan what he wanted to do, how he wanted to play and it was too attacking for Fabio Paratici which I mean straight up there shows this huge issue in your question like what, what are we doing here you know what do we do when Nuno Espirito Santos coming out in the press like oh I know the philosophy of Tottenham I know what the club is about I know how they want to play but now we're hearing that the only reason he was appointed is because he's not going to play like that and we've ended up now with Nuno who just typically doesn't play attacking football even when he got Wolves as well as he did there um and I, I probably didn't know this as much uh, throughout his time at Wolves, uh, until I spoke to Wolves fans when he was appointed. And they kind of said, he he just plays boring football. That's just who he is. And people who are calling him a B-Tech Mourinho, to some extent, may have been right. And here we are. (laughs) I I, I don't know what else to say.
1: It's because it's an interesting one, because once again, you know, do a lot of fans of of other clubs fall victim to thinking that what Wolves completely took the championship by storm the year they got promoted yeah. they were unbeatable like they were just absolutely fantastic and it yeah. irks me to say it being a, a team from the from the, the the West Midlands and then they came up into the Premier League and they've, they they got into Europe and they played really good stuff they attracted some really good footballers obviously Semedo, uh Ron uh, Neves um Jimenez you know and they can still attract this this fantastic caliber of player and that will come because Nuno Espirito Santo played with decent football. And then it's, it's, it's like all of a sudden that, that he didn't anymore, if that makes sense. And, and he's yeah. gone on to Spurs. And he's, he's like if he's lost his moxie or he's he's doubting himself and, and 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 maybe his tactical setup and he wants to change it up to be a bit more um I suppose maybe he's maybe something's gotten into his mind that maybe his his tactic will only get him so far. Now he's at Spurs, and if Spurs really want to win the league, they need to be a bit more um resolute. Um, obviously, you mentioned there Gabrani and Um uh, Like, like I, 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 with him, you know, he he had uh, how would I put it? He tried to butter both side sides of his bread with with, with Juventus and the um, and and the Super League, and then and then he comes to the Spurs. Uh, no, and, and like I mean, what I mean is he's a very um, he, he's he's a good sporting director. You know, he's a good sporting mm. director. But if he came in and wanted something completely different than Levy was going to the going to the fans with, but then there's there's discontent, not discontent, but there's this connection from the top down then at that stage. And something you alluded to at the start. So realistically, mm. does this all, all like this, and, and this is a crude phrase and I, I'm going to use it anyway, but is the shit flowing up here towards uh, <laughs> towards Levy, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not the first time in the last couple of years he, he's done this. Because I think, Jose Mourinho, uh, before we point him, I think when we got Poch back in 2014, Jose was someone that uh, Daniel Levy wanted to bring into the club. And, of course, it failed back then because we were essentially just happy to be in the Europa League team. And that's not what Jose Mourinho wanted at what was close to his prime. And then for a split second, it looked as though Mourinho was available. And Levy cut ties with the best manager we've had uh, potentially since the 60s or 70s in Mauricio Pochettino just to get Mourinho in. Despite the kind of the club completely building in the opposite way, you know, having this long-term project, playing attacking, free-flowing football, uh, trying to bring youth through, put it all to the wayside. We want Jose. We want him now. And then he came out in uh, at the end of last season. It was actually was it Villa we played or last song game of the season? He came out in the yeah, match program for that. And I think he, last he was saying, the
1: season, yeah, there was the, the Roy Mason was in charge. The fans were. Not too happy about the Super League first of all, and then mm. they weren't happy with Ryan Mason either. And yeah. Uh, yeah, but I remember that there was a big piece in the in the in the pre-match um from that. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was talking about the the DNA of the club about how we want to play a attacking football, how we want to bring all of this back to the club. And see, the thing is, at that point, I genuinely thought he believed. I gen- like I still do believe he actually meant that and he wanted to do that but this guy that he's known and respected and kind of been friends with on a personal level for a few years and Fabio Paratici becomes available and he, he struggles to, uh, to say no to these people that I, I honestly think he's just starstruck by and just feels so uh, lucky and so privileged to be able to bring them into the club. And he kind of throws those things to the wayside a little bit in order to get this in. And it's, you then end up with, you know, this, uh, this kind of board that apparently want attacking football. Then you bring in this uh, director of football that wants defensive football. You have these players who some are brought in on a to play attacking football. Some are brought in on Jose to play defensive football. And there's such a disparity at every single mm. level of this football club. That I, I, I almost compare it to the way we uh, we recruit. We want to buy the best players. We want to pay high wages. We want to be like competing with the best, but we want to do it in a way that's cheap. And it's this disparity the whole way through, trying to get to every place in the easy way, that is is creating th- those first cracks and everything, and then it just starts peeling away further and further. And Daniel Levy is the, the root of the problem. He's not the only problem, but he is the root of, of the majority of what's gone wrong with this football club.
1: Um, another thing, I suppose, that kind of engulfed the the, the Spurs off season was. Uh... A little known striker not too many people would know him down the <laughs> down the ranks in your club uh, Harold Kane I think his name is um I don't know, he's, player, yeah. yeah he's eligible to play with Ireland I think or something or at <laughs> uh, but no Harry Kane in all seriousness Harry Kane um maybe he's I don't know and I'd like your opinion on it as well because mm-hmm. um look it was a pretty protracted piece and it almost went side by side in parallels with us and Jack Grealish you guys held on to Kane we saw Jack Grealish I firmly mm-hmm. believe it was one or the other and um, was going to go to Man City and uh, it was Jack Grealish we then had an opportunity to invest in our team and our club and we have done we've bought some decent players but I think, uh, or would it be fair to say that that whole paralysis that probably came over the club with the indecision with Harry Kane, not being able to maybe, like a lot of players looking at the club going, who I don't know, do I want to be there if Harry Kane isn't going to be there? Probably that stifle maybe you guys bringing in more attacking talent because realistically it was, uh, it was Emerson Royale and it was Romero at the back and, and, and the attacking talent up front didn't really materialise for you guys. Yeah, I, I do think
0: that played a big part and I think, Kind of the main part that played was if, like we, we, we lost Carlos Vinicius who we had as our backup striker so mm. there was always I think a feeling that we needed to get in another striker and it wasn't until maybe eight, nine days before the end of the window that it was done, it was final, Harry Kane was staying and I feel what happened there was if we keep Kane, maybe there was a plan to spend 20, 30 million on a, you know, maybe a Veldbeck horse from from Wolfsburg or uh, you know, a, a player kind of of that ilk who's not at the top level of European football but can be a player to do a job for us, kind of like Fernando Urinte did but, we were unwilling to do that because if we did that bought a 20 30 million pound player and then harry Kane was gone we needed two more strikers all of a sudden and you'd rather just buy the 250 60 million pound strikers uh, like latario martinez was the was the biggest one that we yeah. wanted and it was yeah, just it was that that kind of lack of uh, of of knowing where the kane situation was going to go stifled as you said the the incomings at the top of the pitch and everywhere else as well because like it's it's so true that i think for for a striker if you're coming to tottenham you don't want to be there if harry kane is there because you're not going to play but for every other position, you don't want to be a Tottenham unless Harry Kane is there. And mm-hmm. I mean, we were so lucky. And uh, you want, I was actually sitting down watching that game last night, and we were playing more. and the ball got Christian Romero at one point, and saying, "What's he doing here?" Like, honestly, what is Christian Romero doing at this football club? He's a Serie defender of the year last year. He's just won the Copa America. He was wanted by Messi at Barcelona, and 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 this is what he's doing now. It's it <laughs> it was a it was a, a, a painful moment, but. Yeah, the Kane situation kind of broke everything, also kind of stunted our start to the season. Despite the fact we got the good results, there was a while before we, uh, so we still haven't really got running. But there was, you know, not knowing who's going to be our number nine, who's actually going to play the first couple of games of the season, and, you know, I, I blame Levy 50% for that, and I blame Harry Kane the other 50 Do
1: you think it's do you, like? Do you think he's firing on all cylinders? Do you think he? And it's hard to say and you never want to kind of fully admit it. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of glad that Jack Grealish isn't with Aston Villa now. Not just, just from, from what I'm gonna say here. Look, Jesus, I'd love to have his talent in the team. And I and I know every podcast I go on to I say this is the last we're gonna mention of Jack Grealish anymore because he's not a Villa player. But but if he was to if we were to have another year where we staved off um a big bid from another club maybe and he didn't maybe sign a sign a contract this year to give us a false sense of hope we would all be thinking well does he really want to stay here is it just, are we just buying our time is he just going to leave at the end of the year what's that going to do for our future prospects but we've ripped off the band-aid now albeit a very hefty 100 million million pound band-aid which uh, which i think was a very fair price and um, I would like more obviously I think he's worth more and um, but do you think that potentially in kane's head that it's it's not really sorted with him. And at the end of the year, provided you guys don't win the league or win a cup or do something pretty decent in the, in the UEFA Cup, he's still gonna be at the same juncture or crossroads he was at the end of this year. Yet he'll mm-hmm. still have five years left in his contract or four years or whatever it is, because of the mm. massive contract that he signed. Yeah. Is is like it is is his and I don't want to call kind it of dip in form because Jesus Christ, what I'm doing here is I'm actually willing him nearly to score goals by talking about him, and I don't even want to do it. But like going, is, is the fact that he's dropping back so deep a lack of trust in in the system, or is it something that you'd seen creep into his game even in last year?
0: I, I do feel as though there's two different ways to look at this and I think over the summer uh, for England at the Euros, I looked at it as the way of kind of praising Harry Kane and kind of at Spurs now, I'm looking at it at a different way. And the be all and end all is last season, Harry Kane dropped deep, played almost that quarterback quarterback role and had the best season of his career. And that I think is something that shouldn't be ignored. And what I was saying kind of during the Euros was, well, Gareth Southgate his best player is Harry Kane. Surely he has to play him in that in his best role, if yeah. that's going to be dropping deep. It didn't work in that England system because that is not the way they were playing, and ultimately Kane had to just kind of bite the bullet, go up top, and he ended up scoring three or four goals. I think he needs to do the same at Tottenham, because Nuno isn't going to implement a style. I don't think he has the ability to implement a style But Kane in that deeper role can be the um, the pair that can do that, but I suppose it, it is a, a fairly uh, appropriate point that maybe it is a lack of trust in the players around him. And, you know, Daryl put it in the comments a while ago saying that Son is uh, is more important to Tottenham than Harry Kane. And I think in terms of creativity, that is, that is absolutely true, because I, I kind of get the feeling that when Kane is now dropping deep, because the players know that he's not, that's not what he needs to be doing. They don't want to give him that ball to, to give him the chance to do it, because ultimately we need him on the last centre-back. We need him to be the man on Gabriel uh, against Arsenal or on uh, Thiago Silva against Chelsea or hopefully on uh, Courtney House uh, on, on Sunday. But he doesn't seem to be willing to do that. And it's it's hurting his stats this season, uh, for sure. And I, I just think a lot of it comes back to he doesn't want to be here as much as he did in the past. And maybe he won't be willing to make, make make as much sacrifice for the team as he has done in the past. And I never thought we'd be saying that about him. I never thought we'd be saying he'd be skipping training. But he is hurting the team right now by, by playing a position that... I'm sure it isn't the one that Nuno was putting on that whiteboard in the dressing room. for
1: That's really interesting. That's really interesting because it's, uh, it's, it, you know, it, it, it every, everything is so different than when we spoke the last time before the last game. Yeah. Well, everything is different except from the point that there was still in trepidation about the manager at that time. Nobody was too certain about Mourinho and about his tactics mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and 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 Mourinho was getting to that posi- that that kind of he gets into this this kind of position with a club pro boy. he likes to great back you know he likes to he doesn't like when someone's nudging up against him he likes to nudge back again you know and, and he was getting that way with Spurs and it was you know it was it was only a matter of time before before uh, something happened and he and and he I can't remember. Did did the club relieve him of his duties, or did he leave just before? Oh, he, leave no, he,
0: he, he was sacked. All right, I he was I, aggressively I sacked.
1: Aggressively sacked. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Put his cough a small bit, but um, <laughs> uh, no, it's it, it is an interesting one. And look, as I say, that uh it, it was. I suppose, like that, that, that the club is trying to trying to reformulate. I suppose since then, and look, Mourinho has done it again. He's left the club, and he's you know the club is slightly in turmoil after he's left. You know, yeah. so it's uh it's 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 something that he does. If I was to put a gun to your head, Matt, if I was to put a gun to your head, and I, and I won't because I like you. Um, You're so kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the what, what formation and what team do you see do you see play on Sunday? Is this one that
0: I think will or that I, I I would pick myself. Which one do I want?
1: Give me both.
0: Okay. <laughs> it's going to be 4-3-3 um, okay. for, for whatever reason. Um, and recently back in goal, which you know, you'd know expect yeah. and want to the league games at this point. Uh, I, I, I think I who's going to start right back, actually? Because Tanganga has, I think, the, the last two, maybe three seasons, has started the season really well at right back, had a, a few good performances against bigger teams, and then kind of struggled to keep that up. Um, Emerson in his few appearances for Spurs so far, bar his first appearance um, I think the best thing I can say about him is he's an utter clown and is I think what we thought we were getting rid of in Serge Aurier and that he's defensively rash, he's supposed to be good going forward but he just can't really show it and he commits stupid fouls all around the place Um, so I I think if if we do want to go for kind of not actual attacking football, make it seem like we're playing more attacking football um, I think maybe Emerson will be in there uh, like I said, Dyer and Sanchez uh, in the middle. Reglon at left back. The three midfield. is going to start, um, first of all. I think Deli Ali would be nowhere near that team after uh, the, the last couple of weeks. But I, I suppose in a similar vein to Eric Dyer, he seems to be one that a lot of managers, maybe excluding Mourinho for a couple of months, just keeps on picking. Um, so I put Hoybier in there. I'm going to go with Skip, mainly because he was taken off uh, in, uh, with half an hour to go in that game yesterday. And... A lot of Spurs fans are expecting it and I, I can see why Brian Gill in in that midfield position uh, kind of more in a I suppose it, it could be a bit closer to a four two three one. maybe now that I say that out loud but kind of in that uh, kind of free-flowing position uh, in front of those two holding midfielders and then uh, Lucas and Son either side of Harry Kane the changes that I personally make to that um, i probably go with the centre-back player you said in putting uh, Romero alongside Sanchez uh, give me Tanganga out at right back uh, maybe put Gill Up a bit further instead of Lucas and drop himself into the midfield. But, um, I'm I'm going to be disappointed with the lineup almost whatever (laughs) happens. Like,
1: (laughs) uh, I actually do know what you mentioned about Pierre Emil Heiberg. I think he's a magic player, I think he's brilliant. I would love him to play. Um, uh, I would love him to play in our midfield, although our midfield is really good at the moment. It's really the structure of our midfield is brilliant at the moment and something that a change of formation has really helped us with. Pierre Emil Heiberg. Um, like he was excellent last season. I I would have had him in my team of the season, uh, for really? sure last season in that position. And, and he went on to play well for Denmark. Do you think maybe with somebody like him, or and like looking at your team in comparison to our team? Uh, and I know we had a couple of people that were away, but like COVID, broken season goes into uh you know a, a truncated season. Then afterwards, which starts a small bit, a small bit uh earlier. Then goes into the the Euros think a player like Pierre Emile Hyberg, you said that maybe he hasn't been at uh, up to speed of it this year. Do you think maybe that has had had some some something to do with it, or are the same kind of idiosyncrasies that maybe you saw in previous year just coming back to be more magnified this season?
0: Um I, I think if, if there's any player in that spurs team that's suffering from from any form of burnout, it, it is Hybier. You know, he I think he was the only outfield player in the Premier League last season to literally play every single minute. Uh, of every single game, which is an incredible accomplishment for 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 any player, um, but kind of at the the intensity that he plays with, so often uh, it's it's even more uh, more impressive. And uh, look, uh, players are to some extent only as good as the players around him. And, look, there, there are certain players like, you know, Harry Kane, who can, who can kind of transcend the the, the incompetence, I'd say, of, of their teammates. But Beer in that kind of that, that, that important role, he needs the help of uh, those two midfielders around him kind of in, in, in keeping games condensed into the middle of the park, when that's what Tottenham want to do. If he makes a little bit of an error, as you can often expect uh, in there, he needs some players behind him to, to help him out a little bit. And I feel like that has just been lacking a lot more than usual this season um, in, in, in every department, and he has failed from that, but... If that man doesn't get any sort of muscle injury uh, this season, if he does keep playing to this level, I'll I'll be absolutely flabbergasted. And I will start to ask questions about the uh, anti-doping tests that are going on there because he is an absolute machine, even though that quality has been somewhat lacking this season.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just you know, hopefully that doesn't happen to him anyway because he's he's a very good player to watch and and <laughs> definitely, you know, there was talks maybe that Douglas Luiz might move on prior to you guys p- purchasing Heiberg, um there was talks Douglas Luiz might move back to City and I would have thought I, I was like he was definitely top of my list um from the Premier League to 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 snatch up anyway, but you guys got in there nice and early that that um that 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 transfer window to to snare him. Um I suppose looking at the Aston Villa team, I think the Aston Villa team is pretty much gonna be as it has been the last uh for the last week or so, the last two weeks. We're definitely going to play the three five two tactic once more. It's it's served us really well. We should have we, we were nowhere near a 3-0 t- losing team against Chelsea we beat uh, Everton 3-0 albeit there was some hairy moments or not hairy moments but some lull points I think in that game and then against United we just put in a very very disciplined midfield defensive performance the spacing between our midfield and defence was brilliant we fanned out in midfield which is something we never do we normally go with a, a diamond of our, of our three or our two in midfield we fanned out across the pitch and we took the game to them really high up the field and we could Completely stopped them getting any ball into into um, Bruno Fernandez, but I think that our team would be very much as it is. A couple of guys have mentioned it there in the in, in the in the comments earlier on, and um, I'm just going to bring one up here from um, AVFC US. So it's going to be five three two five three uh, five three two um, or three five two, whichever way you want to call it. Uh, I think House definitely definitely keeps his place, um, so you're going to have Kanza House, Mings, Cash, and Target will be the two wing backs, and <coughs> I think I, I, I think that there's I think they're gonna have a job to do with the weekend, more so coming backwards than going forwards, based on mm-hmm. the fact that especially if you've got you guys at Brian Hill and um and San uh, on the wings. Um our midfield three are deceptively good. They get carry they carry an awful lot of ground and they seem to work an awful lot better this year with Jacob Ramsey, who for me has been the find of the season for Aston Villa so far. We've spent 30 million on Bailey, 38 million on Buendia. We've spent money on Danny Ings. We've spent money on, you know, but but Jacob Ramsey cost us nothing, came true. He's like our Oliver Skip, except he's a bit more he's a bit more meaty um in the tackle and he's a bit more uh bit more robust when he gets around the field. But himself and John McGinn and and, and uh Douglas Louise work really well together in that midfield, that midfield three. And they're, they're all action. And they're not only all action because our two strikers at the moment are getting to know each other. One of them is getting back into fitness and the other guy, Danny Ying, spends more time in the right back position, chasing people back. He's Danny Ing's engine, his pressure rates, his, his teamwork, he's all around kind of i suppose just his all-around endeavor and and honesty is just a joy to watch and he's one of these players that when you watch him playing with another team you see him score the spectacular goals and you see him being a thorn in your side and and i'm not going to say you find it difficult to like him but you kind of go how does he do that but when he's playing (laughs) with your own team and you're watching him week in week out you're like jesus he's absolutely everywhere all around the field and uh, and himself and watkins i think will be up front but um I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be going to be a tough game for both teams during the week at, at the weekend. Um, mm. I'm certain, like like you name those players on that Tottenham team, if they just all they need to do is click for one day, one game, and you're beaten. You know, like it's yeah. there's 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 really good talent on that team, and 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 even though you know that you're a bit, you know, maybe you're a bit unsure about the tactics or maybe what Nuno is going to put out or maybe there's a bit of a a bit of a, a depression around around the club at the moment. Th- are you, are you still confident that you guys are going to come out with a win at the weekend?
0: Do you know, something that I've um, I've kind of developed over the last 18 months with Spurs is despite my delusions um, over a season in general, I've become somehow fairly astute in predicting individual games. And I, I can't see us winning this game, Lee, I really can't. And look, it, it, it could just be that... That kind of general negativity and that feeling of oh, you know, we've just lost to Arsenal 3-1, we're on our we're on our worst defensive run since 03. I'm just I, th- I don't think Nuno's the man. It could be just that kind of um that kind of feeling that's making me negative. But I can if this like I said, if this team clicks, we win a game, but they don't click ever. And 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 that's a fear. And look, I, I do even when you're just playing with that team there, I do have maybe a bit of hope that with you playing that three at the back, that if we kind of put our or from three, right on top of your back three, that we could cause issues in that way. Uh, kind of like we did, similar to Chelsea in that first half, and like really, really isolate each of those centre-backs. Um, but it, it doesn't usually last longer than... Uh, it doesn't last long enough to actually you know, get us a lead in that game and to hold on to things. The other team change something, and we're done. And it's, it's just that lack of a plan B. It's the the lack of effort, the lack of Harry Kane being able to play in the Premier League, uh, judging by his form this season. I, I, I really can't see us winning it. And it, it hurts me to say that, but... It's just that that feeling is just there constantly. You know that kind of dread of feeling you have going into the game, like yeah. you, you almost don't want the game to be played. Sort of. That's that's just where I'm <laughs> at at yeah.
1: Well, if there's any suspicious packages right around around <laughs> Tottenham Stadium at the weekend, we know where to go look at that. No, we can't have this game being played. I don't feel confident. Who do you think paid for Paddy's ticket? <laughs> it's, it's it's got an Irish postmark on it. I mean, what <laughs> <bit of> <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah, that, that there's there's a lot of layers to that actually, but I just <laughs> you know, uh, um but no I think I suppose for the for the game at the weekend <clears throat> we're coming off a historic win, a win win in Old Trafford. Jesus, if we were to pull off a win a win in London for Aston Villa Football Club is a big deal in itself. Never mind the win against Spurs, a win in London. Um, and to to, to follow up Old Trafford with with a win in London would be like magical stuff and look we were, we had some famous wins last season Um, and we we can rattle off wins against the bigger teams but where we struggle is against the Watfords on on opening day and once again with the greatest will in the world, Watford beat us fair and square and and they beat us because they were the better team on opening day but some teams just get the better of us and teams that we would be expected to beat so what I'm trying to get at here is that while I don't, while I'm not cocky about winning and confident about winning. I think that we can go and we can give Spurs a good rattle because I think that we're probably a team because of the work rate we have in there that no team that's down on their luck really wants to, wants to to come up against at the moment. And yeah. with our magician with long hair on the, on the, on the bench, Nanny McPhee drawn up all his set pieces all over the place because, uh, have a look into our set piece coach. He's become a bit of a cult hero around Villa Park because we're scoring from set pieces. We're creating from set pieces. We're getting a, getting a name for from, from being pretty lethal from set pieces, whether it be throws, whether it be free kicks, whether it be corners, whatever. We've, we've just changed up little things like Douglas Louise. No one knew he could take a corner. Well, they, they did know, but we were, because we had somebody probably like Jack Grealish, who we felt was a better corner kick taker. Douglas Louise wasn't taking him. Now Douglas Luiz is taking them. They're being whipped right into the area, into deadly positions, and we're getting goals from them. So, um, this is my long-winded way of trying to delay tactics so that I can come up with a score that I think is fitting. <laughs> um, and I, I, I would. Uh, well, as I say, I, I could see Villa winning two-one. But I could also see it be see it being a one all draw and Villa being absolutely delighted to come away out of the month of October, uh, out of the month of September. And I know we've we'll been the in the second or uh, the third of October. But out of that five week period, coming yeah. away with a valiant victory against against Chelsea, a victory against uh, Everton, a victory against United, and a draw against Spurs, I think Dean Smith will be opening a nice fresh can of whatever he drinks and enjoying <laughs> the, looking back at those results because going to London for Aston Villa is not usually a happy a happy hunting ground so coming away with a point i think would be i think everybody would be happy with that
0: just just out of curiosity it was like as, as a spurs fan i know all too much about the negativity within the fan base but as as an aston villa fan like do do you actually see tottenham as like going and playing one of the big six teams like you see us as an actual uh sort of like challenge or one of those i don't want to say great days out as if you're like a conference team but kind of one of those big challenges like one of those games that you relish almost as a uh, as a free um, passes, and if we lose, it's granted Spurs. Like I, I really can't imagine that, see, that mentality
1: this is, is still there. This, this is, this is uh, that's a great question. So like, in my Thank lifetime you. following Spurs, I would have thought our, ourselves and Spurs were the, the next best to the rest. Um, with <clears> Everton, like the three of us would have been the next best to the rest. And we would have always been boxing clever with Spurs and so on. And, you know, Spurs would go out and make their flashy sign-in and a Klinsman and maybe bring in a Les Ferdinand and an Armstrong or whoever. And, Villa would still be vying for the fourth position in the league with them, and 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 usually would be out out. Um, finishing them in the league. Maybe four, mm-hmm. they might finish fourth, Spurs would be fifth, sixth, whatever. So we would have had great battles. But then obviously Spurs then kicked into a gear from a financial point of view and knew that football was changing. You know, we obviously led had Doug Ellis and then we had Randy Lerner and things got close between us again. And then we didn't have Randy Lerner and things went right down low. So I suppose really to answer your question, I think Aston Villa fans will, will circle the Spurs game and go, they're a nice team, nice barometer to be able to put ourselves up against um And up until probably this year, I don't even think last I think last year we would have looked at you and said, right, there are points that we need to rob as opposed to points that we can we can we can actually really maybe tentatively put yeah, down because you. obviously we finished like uh, nearly got relegated the year before. So to answer your question is that Villa, Villa fans of, of certainly in my vintage and my like following them since the since the mid 90s, early 90s. We would always circle Spurs and go, a good team, a good barometer. If we want to be where we want to be, we need to beat Spurs. So that that probably answers the question. We would never see you as a pushover. Like, you've got Mm. absolute quality. You know, you're a very wealthy club stuff so it would be remiss it would probably just be putting carrot and blue glasses on us to say no nah, spurs are nothing anymore you know they're not a top six team they kind of are uh, well they're not kind of are they are the perennial top six finishers and uh there is a fear factor i think there still with spurs and i i be honest with you i think i i think and this can happen with fan bases as well that maybe just had gotten so close to pushing on to the really the next level and never really did it is why? Where? Where do we go next? Where do we go next? Because everything from here is a slight, is a slight regression, and that can be a bit, a bit difficult. It was difficult for us when we were when we were trundling down the league uh, after Martin O'Neill left. Very difficult then when we had Hulley came in, and you know we had to rally at the end of the season. Then we had Lambert. Then we had tactics team then we had uh, you know we had litany of managers then after that and it just didn't work out and and believe me you know things got hairy among the fan base around Villa Parkham people weren't you know were, like it, it was toxic because there was stuff going on that shouldn't have been going on then we nearly went out of business so what I'm trying to say yeah. here is I think I can certainly empathize to the way Spurs fans are at the moment but realistically i think that you're not going to fall too far before you start to go back up that up the league again and i think that you're probably um as just a small bit uh, a sm- like potentially a, a manager, but I think that Nuno, I think it would be absolutely madness to get rid of Nuno after seven or eight games, and I don't think he does. I think he lasts the season anyway, um, and I think that there is more for him. I, I, I think it's an implement implementation thing really, um, f- for the players. But uh, Villa will look at this, at this, and see. Yeah, this is these these are earned points against a team that are um are of a higher in the pecking order than than than. But but they're where we want to be, but maybe not where we are just yet.
0: I love it. That's what we're yeah. really
1: doing. <laughs> <news>. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a couple, of, couple of, um, a couple of chats there because I neglected the chats. I say, uh, uh, and, and I apologise about that. Darren Grady. Darren was in the the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and he saw Morris score a goal, uh, which is interesting. One of very few. I, I can imagine you're one of very few Irish men to have seen Morris score a goal live. <laughs> Uh, it is interesting. And um, Super Mark says he definitely have house in. He's earned it. Absolutely. And I think the meritocracy that Dean Smith has is very evident. I know he gets stick sometimes for maybe having his favorites and playing the same 11. He certainly did last year. And um, I think the meritocracy around uh, house earning the shirt, I think, certainly will, will will allow him to keep it um, uh allow him to keep it for sure. Um, we were talking about Wolves earlier on there, and Ad says Wolves didn't really attract any of those players. Mendes brought them in, and that's a that could be true. <laughs> Mendes hasn't really followed um, followed uh, Nuno to to uh, London, so we'll see. Which is interesting because you think that he would his eyes would light up with that scenario. Maybe Levy didn't want him want his grubby mitts around the club or anything like that. Who knows? I suppose that's I think... for that's for a tell-all
0: story. <laughs> some such. I think there's some bad blood there with what happened with uh, Gennaro Gattuso, when we kind of pulled out of that last minute. I think he's represented by Mendes as well. So mm. I feel as though there might have been some uh, relationship strained there, shall we say, between
1: Tottenham <laughs> and, and the agents. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, Stephen Evans thinks it's going to be 2 0 two to Villa. That would be great for me. Maybe not so much for that. <laughs> and he thinks that uh, Watkins is due to score. Uh, Ad says about the Kane situation is hanging over the entire squad. They all know he's leaving. It's just a matter of when. Is it? Is that still... I, I presume it, it's true until mm-hmm. it isn't, but then again, yeah, you know, what does he have to do to prove that he wants to stay?
0: Oh, I, I don't think there's anything he can do, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think he has the boat of sail for him in terms of getting a move to, to Manchester City or to one of those top teams because he has a bad season this year. He goes from being a 28-year-old striker who sometimes gets ankle injuries but is one of the best in the world to being a 29-year-old striker who gets injuries? Who was a bit past his best, and all of a sudden, the 150 million that we were asking for becomes maybe 80, 90 million, and then all of a sudden, City or something, maybe, maybe we'll give you 50 or 60. And I think things really can change that quickly with him. Um, he he will leave. I can't see him being here beyond next summer, but I, I don't think it'll be uh, the the big flashy move that that he expected. He get, to be honest.
1: If Harry Kane goes and signs with Juventus, our team in Italy, Harry Kane scores 40 million goals in a season. <laughs> in uh, that's yeah. And I think he should. I th- I think his game suits it. I think he can play in, in, in that style, that slower style. I think he would light it up. I think he'd go out there and be um, be brilliant. But uh, I don't want to be selling any of your players because people did it to us for too long trying to sell <laughs> Jack Grealish. So so yeah. I, this, this one has really stumped me. Harry is short for Henry and not Harold. I'm going to leave oh, that one no. out there. I don't have an opinion on that one because I I I've, I feel like I've been lied to all my life. If it is short for <laughs> Henry, because it's not even shorter than Henry, is it? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. No, it's not even shorter than Henry. But then again, Jack isn't. Jack is short for John, and John isn't shorter than Jack in numerical
0: True. Numbers. Yeah. Four.
1: The, these are the tangents I go on and podcasts. <laughs> uh,
0: to be uh, honest, I enjoy talking about this more than I enjoy, talk, enjoy talking about <laughs> Spurs at the
1: moment. <laughs> Um, here's one for you, uh, Matt. Delhi has shocked me how far he's dropped in short, such a sh- uh, so f- oh, sorry, I'll stack that again in English. Delhi has shocked me how he's dropped so far short of his initial promise. Maybe he's just lost the hunger. I remember he came on as a sub one game against us years ago, came on and won the game, and, and he's only 25 years of age, which nearly blew me away. Um, yeah. he had that brilliant season when he was 21 after he signed for Menke Dons, and um, he, he's been on like. And I know that he does have his uh, his his struggles um, personally and stuff like that. But uh, what 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 do you think is it with Delhi Ali? Is it just a lack of hunger?
0: I really don't think it is. And when 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 you kind of think it's not a lack of hunger, it's it's really difficult to pinpoint exactly what it is because he comes out and he does these interviews all the time and. Look, it, it maybe does it a bit too much to the point where maybe you can see through. But he says, "I want to improve my game. I know I'm not playing well enough." And I, I think he, you can see the kind of desire on the pitch. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for him. And that that one season, 2016-17, I was actually only in work today talking to a few lads about this. He was ridiculous. Like, he was genuinely, like, being compared to being the next uh, lampard Gerard Scholes. He was smashing goal-scoring records in comparison to those few. For, for me, he's one of the players that, that truly, truly made me fall in love with football, watching him and, and that kind of link up with Harry Kane and his kind of intricate runs and these passes and just the the sheer... It, it was all natural to him. It was all this natural intelligence and natural ability. And for whatever reason, it just seems to have faded. And I I think that the problem with him under Jose in particular was that he needs kind of a father figure as a manager. Like, he had MK Dons, he had Kyle Robinson, who I think is, is always that to all of his players. And he continued that when he moved on to Oxford. Um, with Pochettino, he was, players literally said, he he's like a father to us, to Danny Rose, I think, calls him dad. Um, it's, it's a bit weird. But like I, I think it's it's just a combination of loads of different small things, whether it's uh, kind of an inability to adapt to different systems, um, or maybe a stubbornness to, to want to be that number 10. I don't know what it is, but God, if I knew what was going wrong with Deli Alli, I'd make sure I got the word to him because I don't think anyone knows.
1: Um Dara has a suggestion as well, just in case you haven't had the fish and chips in the in, in the um, in the Spurs stadium. Uh, apparently, they put minty stuff in the mushy peas, and it's top class. So that's just a public service announcement. As you know, we're much more than a football podcast here. We're now branching into the culinary arts as well. So if anybody's got other recipes or little strange things they're throwing into their mushy peas, please DM us. We'd be delighted to share it on our podcast going forward. Um, Alfie says that he's a lot more confident going into going against Spurs this Sunday than he was last season. Um, I suppose a winning, uh, like, I am, I suppose, as well because a win against uh, a win in Old Trafford uh, will do that to you. And plus, we were on a poor run of form before we played Spurs last season. Um, but coming up to the end of the season, we're we'll beginning to fizzle out as well. So I don't think any Villa fan could really say that they were confident going into many games as well. Um, we've got an answer. Harry is the male gi- <laughs> is a male given name, the Middle English form of Henry, but it's also a diminutive form of Harold, Harrison, or Harvey. It was one of those rare situations where. We were both right. We were both
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's even rarer that someone admits that. I, I respect it.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, guys, there's, there's a lot a of comments in here. Paul Merson's Paul Merson, Villa legend. I wonder if this is the real Paul Merson. If it is, Paul, I really appreciate all your work you did for Aston Villa. But 3-1 to Villa, I honestly think we'll turn them over. Um Rod says that he's just excited to see Villa play again. Our squad is just great to watch. And, and, and I think that there's a, there's a key word in there that our squad is very good. I think when we came up into the Premier League and we were playing... And uh, more or less the same team week in week out, and even last year we were playing the same team week in week out. Now we have a squad, and we still have Bailey, Bunda, Morgan, Sanson, uh, Trezeguet is back training again. We've got mm-hmm. El Ghazi, who was starting and scoring goals at the start of the season. Now isn't even coming off the bench. We've Bertrand Truore as well, who was a mainstay in our team last season. He's now seen as a change of pace player. We've had we have Axel Tunze on the bench. The Only thing we're missing, I think, really, is a real and I and this isn't saying anything bad about Jed Steer, is a real top sub goalkeeper, maybe like a Galini like Spurs do because he cut his teeth in the Premier League with us, and we were too very, very quick to get rid of him because we needed that five million sell-on clause, otherwise we would have gone we would have gone bust. But um Galini is, is is a top class second second string goalkeeper. But I think apart from that we've got we've got uh, strength and depth, and, and and I don't know if anybody out there is listening, and I know. I know that we put this, I meant to put this on at half past eight so that so people go watch the under-23s and come in here and watch it afterwards, but I forgot that the under-23s <laughs> was starting at seven. Uh, does anyone know what the final score was in that? It was nil all when I when I popped on, so if anybody has that. The reason I mention is because I know Philogine Bidet started that game. Um, and Kearney Chuck Muecke didn't start that game, so I imagine he would be on the bench and he would be an option from the bench on Sunday as well. So bringing through that that, that grown talent like Spurs are with the likes of Harry Winks, Oliver Skip, and uh, Dane Star- Scarlett as well, you know, are people that... um And Troy Parrot who is lighting it up down at MK Dons at the moment. Mm. Um. Da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing there. There is John, John and Jack, Harry and Henry, mushy peas, Water pod. Yeah, that's, that's what we get to. That's what we get to. Rod makes a good point here. I think Ericsson, Ericsson leaving was treated far too casually by Spurs. We at Villa and other clubs were terrified of him. Spurs just let him walk out the door. Crazy. Mm. I'm going to, this last question I'm going to ask because Jesus, we're nearly an hour into it. Fuck it <laughs> this
0: is a question that could be, he going for another hour. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do agree with that, uh, but what, what I would say is, and um, someone made the point as well about Vertongan and Ireland that it, it was treated too casually and we didn't, re- We I think we have tried to replace them, but the issue we made is waiting until they left to replace them, you know, we, we knew Eriksson was running down that contract, we knew he didn't want to stay and he was going to leave, a year before he goes is when we need to get a player and just start kind of uh, getting him into that team and you, you do still have to say Ericsson for the last 18 months was woeful at Spurs. I think I think it might have been a good two years uh, since he actually got a corner past the first man at Tottenham. He went, you know, this uh, dead ball specialist who went three years without scoring a free kick. Um, he did have his his own flaws, but, yeah, there's that kind of prime team of 2016-17. Uh, we, we didn't replace them in, in any capacity, I suppose, and there was 18 months there where we didn't sign a player, where I think the only real bid we made was £15 million pounds for Jack Grealish. and. We're, we're we're paying the price for that right now. We we really and truly are.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that fifteen million <laughs> pounds. Jesus, imagine if we saw them. Now you mentioned. Do we see? Do we see Spurs as being one of those top six? I think we would if you bought Jack Reed for fifteen million pounds. But we wouldn't see you as one of those top six. We'd see you as a sworn and mortal enemy, one <laughs> which we must slay at every corner. That's exactly that uh, what we would have seen you as. <laughs> but <respect> uh, <laughs> you didn't, so we don't really see you that way. We don't really see you that way. We Although did we you will, a favor. We would, exactly, <laughs> yeah, you did us a favor. Although we will for 90 minutes on, uh, on Sunday, we will see you in that, in that very same vein. And you, I'm sure, likewise. Um, Absolutely. It's, we're 56 minutes into the podcast. Uh, genuinely, time has flown. And I was really interested to, to, to get your take on the Spurs situation because even though last time we spoke, we were speaking about Spurs and it was very much about the board, and um, this has been this has been a real eye opener about like how the House of Cards has, has I'm not going to say crumbled, but it's it's just a bit more has fallen in from it. And it's all seems to be stemming from the top again. So, um you know, it's never nice to see a club be in inner turmoil like that as well. So I do hope you guys get sorted out. But after Sunday, uh, please, preferably. um And then, um you know, more power to you pressing on up the league <laughs> after that uh but matt thank us. you so much for um thank you so much for um for popping on it's it's been a real pleasure thank you so much um i i don't know if you've done any preview prior to the match i think I, you hadn't went out when i was looking at it but um <laughs> yeah. uh, do you have any where, where can the lads find any of your stuff maybe they want to go back and 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 see any of your your hot takes and spurs uh, over the last few weeks before coming into the game Yeah, look, what I've become very
0: accustomed to saying is if you want to see a Spurs fan cry while watching the team play, my channel is the place for you. Uh, It's it's Matt Hayes Tottenham blog um, on YouTube or at Matt Hayes THFC on Twitter. Um, I haven't done anything done for this game yet. I'm not sure if I will. I'm taking a bit of a a step back from YouTube after a a hectic and painful summer window, shall we say. Um, Um, But look, Neil, always a pleasure to join you on here. You know, I'm I'm in the the comment section whenever I can. It's a fantastic Mm -hmm. channel. and It's a, a pleasure to be back on with you again.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you so much. And uh, here's to our, here's to Sunday. I, for one, I'm working tomorrow, so I was delighted that the game wasn't on tomorrow so I can sit down and, and, and bunker in on Sunday with uh, with a... I was going to I was going to say a beverage, but I think I'll be on the soup or the or the the, the coffee on, on on Sunday just in case. And i uh, will sit down and watch the game, but it's a festival of sport, so I won't have any any inclination to moving. And it's it's supposed to be dirty weather around here anyway in Ireland over over no, the weekend. No, it so so it's uh, might be a day to light the first fire of the year as well, and we'll see. But um. Listen, we'll uh, we'll chat to you again, Matt. Thank you so much for popping on, and for everybody who's out there. Thanks so much for for all you do for the podcast. You know the likes, the shares, the comments, the the DMs. This week I've been probably this week has probably been my worst week ever for getting back to people. Like I usually like to have a chat on Twitter and stuff like that. It's probably been my worst week ever. I do apologize. Um, Just a busy week of work and stuff like that. But uh, keep the interaction flowing. I really love it. And uh, we're on the way. I know it might only be 2,000 followers, uh, 2,000 subs in, in YouTube. But we're on the way there. And if you know of anybody, as I always say, and... Now that we're opening up again, you're going to pubs, you're going to go to people's houses. If there's any other Villa fans that are there and you see they've put their phone down and it isn't locked, subscribe <laughs> them. They'll thank you for it afterwards. They'll thank you for it afterwards, believe me. Um, so thanks very much, everybody. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, Sunday at 2 p.m.? 2, I think, yeah. Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, we'll be here with uh, Team Sheet Tantrum, as we always are, an hour and 15 minutes before the game. We hope to have our roving reporter, Paddy, outside the stadium, provided he could get good Wi-Fi. Uh, Dara, is there good Wi-Fi outside the stadium? Is there good, uh, good <laughs> internet connection outside the stadium? Because um, if he can get it, he's going to pop on, and we're going to have a live, in the moment, outside the Tottenham Hotspur Team Sheet Tantrum. So don't miss it. Um, thanks very much, everybody. Uh, this is the longest outro ever, so I'm just going to say all that's left to say is up the villa Network.